Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good evening, everybody. How y'all doing? Welcome to the show. Got a great show planned for you. We're going to be talking tonight about uh, things that come up in couples therapy. And uh, these are things I want everyone to know. I had an interesting conversation at one of my sessions this week where I heard someone talking about, you know, listen, let me, let me, let me backtrack. We live in the world and we tend to live in places and spaces where we often encounter a lot of the same narratives and we socialize, we get socialized, um, right? We impact others that impact us. It can become a feedback loop and we can often get trapped in that thinking that the world only exists as we've encountered or, or, or the perspectives we've been handed. And, um, you know, I have the blessing and the curse sometimes, but we'll go with the positive. <laughs> I have the blessing of having a different wide angle view because I work with hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of people every year and spend so many hours every week really listening to what people desire, what they hope for, what they're seeking, uh, what's working and what's not working. And so I can let people know what it is that maybe works more in terms of sustainability, happiness in a relationship. And, you know, people are where they are and we get in our own way. And that's why sometimes good therapy or good work on yourself is about dismantling, you know, the ways you get in your own way. So all that to say is I was working with a client in a session and understandably um, she was kind of parroting back to me what she's been told. And everyone right now is all about, you know, I saw this on TikTok or I was watching this YouTube video and be very thoughtful. Let me, I'm going to keep getting derailed, but there's so many things I want to say in reference to this. Be thoughtful about whose advice you're taking. Um, Cause I will have a lot. Of, and, and again, I'm not trying to be elitist. I'm being a realist, you know, and I'll speak for myself. Uh, there are individuals like myself that have been extensively trained and done a lot of clinical work and supervision and clinical experience and a lot of education. And we have a good understanding about interpersonal neurobiology and what the studies show about longevity and sustainability in terms of relationships. And we understand emotional regulation and we understand intimacy building. And then some of us like myself go on for five years to get trained and certified as a sex therapist, certified sex therapist. There's about 500 in the entire world. Uh, that are truly specialized in this. And then there's some people, uh, I understand that, you know, promote themselves with these labels that aren't monitored or whatnot. And they're putting out a lot of regurgitated information that's often problematic or bad. So be very thoughtful about who you're listening to. 
and um, where what they're saying might be coming from. Because unfortunately, I've had some people, you know, that I'm working with that maybe, you know, worked with a quote unquote dating coach who didn't have any experience or education. And they're just kind of parroting what they've read in a few books. And the material is wrong and even often toxic or detrimental to what this individual is working on. Um, no one has that intent, but clients aren't always aware of how to assess what's correct and what's not correct. So this individual came in with some really problematically gendered perspectives. Um, all men, nothing. All women, nothing. All women, there is nothing global universal that all women want. Every woman wants something different. Is the woman black? Is she straight or gay? Um, what's her, you know, what, what socioeconomic bracket is she in? All of these things are going to dictate a different perspective, a different experience, and a different desire. I could line up 15 women and you'll see some things that are in common. You'll also see a lot of differences based on their different identities and social positions in the world. Um, you're going to find outliers. You're going to find commonality. All of that to say, we can't speak in these universal gender terms. And that's what really fouls a lot of people up. My deeper point is that I can tell you that I consistently hear the same things in my office with couples that are struggling around what they want. So that's what tonight's show is going to be about. What are some of the things that are coming in that people aren't aware of or aren't getting the opportunity to really hear? And how can we benefit from that information? Because um, again, we only have access to what's around us. You know, I remember I was getting into a battle with someone and she was trying to explain to me what all women want. And I said, how many women have you done a sexual history on? Probably zero. So maybe you've talked to two or three friends at best about their experience. So your sample size is two or three people and they're in your social group. So there's going to be a lot of commonality in that. Awesome. But that doesn't speak to the rest of the world. And that's my problem with a lot of research. Is it done on white cis hetero college kids locally, which is where a lot of research is done? That can't be applied to non-white cis hetero college kids. That only speaks to that population, the exact ones that are sampled or ones like them. So people are different. That's always what I'm talking about. Everyone needs something different. Everyone should have different expectations on them. It's about authenticity. It's not about all men, all women. No, there's no such thing. There's no one thing that will work for everyone. And so tonight, that's what we're going to kind of break apart and talk about. What are some of the things that are common? And there are a lot of commonalities. It doesn't matter their gender or uh, their sexual orientation. People are all wanting the same things within relationships. And there are a lot of the same issues that are consistently coming up. So we're going to bust through those. So you got to stick around for that. We're also going to be doing some DMs. So if you got a DM for us, you know the drill. Drop that DM in the Loveline IG page. Questions, topics, things you want us to hit. Always happy to hear from you. Um, yeah, get your make your voice heard, you know, get your needs met. Uh reach out. Don't just sit there wondering, waiting, get your needs met, you know. Assert yourself as they say. And then past episodes of the show, always over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Love Line and click on it. You can binge, post, re-listen, and share. Lots of good stuff and uh maybe check out some of those other shows while you're there, you know? <laughs> Not so bad. Uh, but stick around. We got more to come. We're gonna we're gonna save your relationships. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, 
You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All right, Shaw, we're back and we're talking about the things that uh, us couples and individual therapists here in our offices about what people want, what people wish other people knew. And that's kind of what it's about. You know, you can learn from other people's mistakes. That's often what I do in, in therapy sessions where I'll watch how two people are getting into a relationship and what they're saying or what they're doing. And I'll say, let me stop you. Let me tell you what that looks like down the road. Because <laughs> I work with couples like this, you know, three years down the road, five, 10, 20, 30, you know, and that's the thing about red flags, right? Remember, we've talked about this before. Red flags aren't deal breakers. Deal breakers are. Red flags are things we got to keep an eye on and track. But we want to be aware of what they really are because so many things are normalized that shouldn't be, but they've become familiar because of the families we were raised in. That's all we knew. Maybe we never saw intimacy expressed. We don't know what it looks like. Maybe we had parents that were very chaotic, overwhelmed, or dysregulated, so we didn't learn how to regulate. Maybe we had parents where they thought violence was the answer, and they spanked, and they screamed, and they name-called, so we'd do that. Maybe we then moved into a social group, which corrected that, or strengthened that, or instilled that in us in the first place. Who knows, right? Every relationship we have undoes or reinforces what came before. That's why we're always trying to pay attention to the health of the people around us, socially, romantically, sexually, because we are sponges. We absorb that. We are not left untouched based on interactions. We can have an interaction quickly with a barista that we don't know, we've never seen before, whose name we don't know that we'll never see again, and we can move forward differently in the world, positively or negatively. A comment can be made that heals something, or something can be done that reinforces. I have a client who's trans, gets misgendered sometimes at coffee shops, you better believe that that matters, even though they don't know this person and it's a barista, someone who shouldn't hold a lot of weight necessarily in their life because it's a foreign person to them, but it does. It's, it's, it's a re-wound. It's a re-triggering. Um, so these things matter. So we want to be very thoughtful about, you know, again, as I'm always saying, how we're impacting each other, but there are some global things to think about, but I want you to know that it all really does matter. They'll say, you know, like sticks and stones may break your bones, but names will never hurt you. Ah, uh, yeah, they do. Sometimes emotional and psychological abuse, which name calling is, name calling is psychological and, 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 and emotional abuse. And if it's around someone's sexuality, that is sexual abuse. Sexual abuse is not just touch-based or force-based. It's also the words we use, the way we talk to someone, the way we engage their sexuality. I work with some married couples where they're sexually abused by their partner because their partner's kink shaming them. We're shaming them for being bisexual. That's sexual abuse. You are shaming someone's sexuality. You are traumatizing their sexuality. You're traumatizing their sense of worth and value and their confidence in themselves. Please know that. And that's why I'm always advocating for us to treat each other better. Some marriages should end. I'm happy at the high divorce rate. A lot of marriages are toxic. Most of them are. We run our relationships very toxically. It's why I wrote my books, Sex Outside the Lines and Rebel Love, to try to give people a better understanding and a better vision for how things are supposed to be. 
Please. Relationships are supposed to heal, not harm. Relationships take work, but not a lot of work. If there's that much work going on, you are not a match. Your nervous systems aren't compatible, or your personality styles or temperaments aren't compatible, or your social lives aren't compatible, or your traumas. Who cares what it is? It is. So really know that. So that's what we're talking about tonight. Like, what are the, some of the things we need to know ahead of time? Um, and before we get to it, because it's it's the tease, it's the slow build. <laughs> See, I'm always, it's like, there's like little sex gems dropped in there. It's about the tease, the slow build. Um, we talked on one show, I think the whole show was about dating readiness, like assessing our readiness for dating, not the partners, because we love looking at other people first. So it's like, before you worry about whether or not they're ready to be dated, are you ready to be dated? <laughs> Have you worked on your stuff? Do you know what you're working on? Because the answer is, I don't know. Well, then you're not ready to date. Dating readiness means I'm aware of who I tend to be within relationships and I'm acknowledging it, tracking it and improving it. And so if I say to you, what do you need to work on? What kind of partner, you know, have you been? If you don't have an answer, you're not ready. And if you're currently in a relationship, take some time to think about this. Okay. So that's the setup. That's the setup as to why this matters because our mental health is directly tied to the mental health of those around us powerfully. Either, you know, the people around us inspire us to be better and they raise the bar from their better self to our better self. They raise the bar and we meet it or they keep it low and they really support and strengthen bad behavior. Like, oh, you're upset by someone or you get broken up with and they're like, yeah, go key his car. Uh, please remove that friend immediately. <laughs> we don't get to get mad or act out or disappointment with getting broken up with. When someone breaks up with you, you say, thank you. Thank you for respecting me enough to tell me because a lot of people disappear and ghost and I'm bummed out to hear that, but you're allowed to break up with me. People are allowed to get divorced and break up with people. You don't have a right to be mad at them for that. You can be mad at the situation. You can be disappointed and frustrated, but you can't be mad or punish someone for that. That's not the topic, but that's an example. And we want people around us that are like, listen, so-and-so, I know you're bummed out. I would be too, but don't act that out on them. That's not, I don't want to see that as a friend because I'm afraid you would do that to me. Your potential future partner is going to be afraid of that. But bigger than that, have integrity. Move through the world with integrity, especially in difficult times. That's when our integrity is shown and matters the most. When things are hard, when things are easy, it's easy. Enjoy that. But who you are and how you show up to things when they're at their worst or when they're the most difficult is when integrity, again, both matters most and when it's most expressed. Just like I say all the time, when things are easy in a relationship, cool, they're easy. But when conflict arises, that is when you each demonstrate what kind of partner you are and how healthy this relationship is going to be. Conflict is when it's all shown. It's when it's all out on the table because things are tough and we revert back to bad behavior or we step forward in new, better behavior. But all that's also contingent upon what the people around us are supporting and amplifying in us. Are they always pushing us towards revenge and violence and acting things out? Yikes. You need some new friends and influences truly, or the opposite. They're saying, go heal, keep your mouth closed, put your phone down, go heal, cry, talk to me. Let's go do something. But they send you back to yourself. They don't send you to act that out on others or the world. Cause you know, hurt people, hurt people. And we want to be people that are trying to heal so we can heal people. Imagine if that's what we really sought to do, make our presence in people's lives, improve their life. That's what I try to do. That is my goal. It's my career. It's my social goal. I don't want to be a part of toxic or oppressive systems, whether it's a product, a company, a relationship, a social space, a TV show, no interest. I want to be part of things that liberate and heal and have compassion. You know, there's enough harm going around. So um, 
don't go anywhere. Stick around, y'all. We'll be back. And we're going to keep talking about the things that uh, you need to know that couples therapy teaches us. Uh, and they'll be doing some DMs. So stick around. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. All right, y'all, we're back and we're going to get to the meat of it. We're going to get to the meat of it. What are things that comes up in couples therapy that um, partners need to know? Because why not learn from the failures of others? <laughs> you know, I think that's the healthiest thing. We learn most from failure, not from success. Success teaches us things. It shows us what to do more of, which is why I want us to look at, you know, what are the skills that we want to keep moving forward with and enhance? Excuse me. But then we also want to look at, what are our wounds and our weak points that we need to heal and we need to be aware of? Um, I know what mine are. I've done the work after every relationship that I've been in where I say, wow, let me look at who I was, who I want to be again, who I don't want to be again. What are the parts of myself I need to keep tracking? Working, it's called working with your shadow, the parts of yourself that you're not proud of. And if you're not aware of what those shadow parts are, then I believe you're probably bringing it forward and acting it out on others. Because without an awareness of ourselves, we can't improve ourselves. And that's why I don't ever let someone off the hook with a goal of, I'm just going to work on myself. I'm like, great, what does that mean you're working on specifically? Because if you can't itemize it for me, then you're not tracking it and you ain't working on anything. So these global things of like, I'm just going to do me for a while. I'm like, okay, great. What does that look like? How do you measure that? with the specific steps. And if you don't have it broken down like that, then you're probably just going through the day with your head down, doing the same old, same old. Um, that's why when people are like, Oh, I'm going to take a break from dating or, you know, I'm unemployed right now. I'm going to really work on myself. That's always my follow up. Great. What, what does that look like? What are you going to be working on? How will you know whether or not you're doing it? I want concrete, measurable actions, as they say, specific behavioral, concrete, measurable actions. You can't check in on yourself. If you don't have a, a barometer or a guide from which to assess the success of the effort, that's why it's got to be measurable behavioral goals. I'm going to work on being kinder, you might say, less aggression. I'm going to work on my anger. I'm going to work on tolerating more intimacy. So I'm going to try to drop deeper into certain relationships or conversations or friendships I have. I'm going to maybe you say work on setting better boundaries. So here's three people that I need to set better boundaries with, and these are the ways I'm going to do it. Otherwise, you're not working on anything. So just want to kind of call that out. Um, so let's drop into some of the meat of this. These are the things that come up in couples therapy. And if we can focus on bringing these again into our relationships, we don't necessarily have to stumble over the same blocks that other people have, you know? And that's why I love when some people sit down with family members that have been married for a long time and they say like, what can I learn? And Sometimes people give really jokey, unthought out answers because not everyone brings a mindfulness to their relationship or not everyone even has a good one. And so when people make jokes like, you know, a happy wife is a happy life, I'm like, okay, that told me nothing and that makes no sense. <laughs> Everyone's needs matter. You know what I mean? So let's be thoughtful of those um, trite grand narratives or those tropes. Um, that's not helpful. One of the... Um, no, I don't want to put them in a hierarchy. So it's not going to be most important to least important. But one of the big ones is feeling important and feeling like a priority. That is the main reason why people get into primary relationships. They want to feel like a primary partner. They want someone that they know is going to prioritize them. They want someone who's going to always have their back upon reaching out. Um, they want a counted on consistent partner to move through the world with. Um, and that's why I always say what you want to be offering and looking for. So you want to be this and you want to look for this as someone who's consistent, reliable, available, and responsive. Those are the four key terms that let you know someone's looking for something primary. Um, we're looking for someone who wants to go from an I and a me into a we and an us. 
And that's one of the signs that someone is taking the relationship as a primary is they start to think in terms of us. Um, they look at the impact of everything they do on the relationship. They don't just say, I'm going to do me. I got this job offer. Sorry, I got to do me. That's part of our toxic individualist culture. When you're in a primary relationship, you say, what impact will this have on my relationship and my partner as well? That matters. It's called empathy. It's called being in a primary relationship. Um, well, how, yeah, how will this impact them in their life? And that's taken into consideration. In a primary committed relationship, all decisions have to have a mutual benefit. It impacts both of us beneficially. We don't just do it one-sided. That is someone who isn't looking for a primary relationship. And by all means, do that, but at least own that. At least acknowledge that. Look, I put myself first. I come before the relationship. It's going to be a lot of me and I to the detriment of us and we. Are you open to that kind of style and configuration? And if the partner's like, sure, well, then game on. But that's something I try to bring up indirectly in session. Is this a primary partnership? Because some people waffle back and forth and they want the gifts of a primary partnership, immediate access and monogamy, but they don't want to have to take that person or the relationship into consideration when making decisions. That is chaotic and that's sloppy. And that's not the way I, I, I work with couples. They do have to choose a binary. There's concepts that are great, like relational anarchy, which implies no relationship is more meaningful or primary than the others. My family, my social, my romantic, my sexual, everyone is on the same level. Cool, at least own that. But most people, because the way we're culturally trained, want a vertical hierarchy, where they want romantically and sexually to be the pinnacle. Great, talk out, talk that out. But the sense of priority <clears throat> isn't unhealthy. It isn't codependent. It's interdependent. So that's a lot of one of the top, one of, not the, but one of the top ones that comes into the office. And if the best example, it's very gendered and it's very hetero where um, one partner works nonstop and as a result, isn't present in the marriage or the relationship. And that's not, that is actually making your job the priority. And if you want that, at least own that. Say to your husband or wife, my job's going to come first. Can you sign up for that? All right, we're going to come back, do some DMs. We'll keep talking about this. Stick around. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. All right, y'all, we are back. And now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. This one says, hey, Dr. Chris, my brother has recently been diagnosed with Asperger's syndrome. I've researched the syndrome and I know a lot about it. What I'm struggling to find are ways that family members can cope with and deal with it. He's 28 years old. So while this has been going on for years, it's been undiagnosed. Thank you for any resources you have. I have a ton. You want to be very thoughtful because there are some organizations that um, perceive autism as a um, problem to be fixed or as a burden on the family, and they really don't honor that this is a healthy individual who moves through the world differently and communicates differently and needs to be supported and not shamed or treated as though there's something wrong with them or they're a problem. They have a different brain. They have a different way of socializing. They have a different way of communicating. And your job as family members is to figure out, figure out how to communicate with them, not to shame them, not to get them to try to quote unquote perform normal. Normal is not the goal. Authenticity and confidence are. And again, there's some autism stuff out there that's all about forcing these individuals to participate in what we call a neurotypical way. And that's not healthy. We want to honor neurodivergence, um, neuroatypicality, which means everyone has a different brain. Everyone communicates differently. People that are deaf, they communicate differently. They use sign language. They're not bad. They're not broken. They're not disordered. They communicate differently. They have a different language. 
the right way isn't to be able-bodied. Their disability exists and there's strengths and beauties in that and autism and Asperger's falls under that as well. So there's a lot of really bad organizations out there that again, make it a problem and they see it as a burden and that really dishonors the individual and it's really overly centering the needs of the family. It's like, no, this is about this individual and how do we learn to accommodate their needs? How do we learn to communicate in ways that they communicate? So I always recommend um, working with and getting resources from uh, organizations that are led by autistic individuals themselves and advocate for autistic individuals themselves. And um, there's a lot of those organizations out there, but avoid the ones that have symbols of puzzle pieces as though there's something bad or wrong missing in this individual and they need to get fixed and corrected. So avoid the puzzle piece people. Um, That's a really good communicator of that one. And again, work with organizations that actually honor the needs of that community and center the needs of that community and have members of that community actually on the board and making decisions for themselves. And look for things that are rooted in neurodiversity and therapists that work in a neurodivergent way. These are key terms you have to look for. It's kind of like if you're working with a personal trainer, you want to find someone who's not going to weigh you and not going to talk about weight loss and scales. You want to talk, work with someone who's body positive, body diverse. You want to also work with a anti-diet dietitian, someone who's not going to put you on diets. 99% of them fail. They'll work with you on intuitive eating and intuitive exercise. So we do need to be thoughtful because the standard ways that a lot of people operate in our world don't honor where the work is and where it needs to go. So again, you're looking for neurodiversity, you're looking for autism advocacy. Um, there's a lot out there. So like the, um, the autistic self advocacy network is a great place to start organizations. Again, you'll, you'll start to see this. You'll start to see them using key terms because again, your brother, your brother needs care and support. You know, that's what, that's what he needs. He needs to feel secure in who he is. He needs to feel secure and confident in the fact that he can live a beautiful, wonderful life. He needs to feel secure in the fact that his brain, the beautiful brain that he has is maybe not the same as others, but no one has the same brain as anyone else. And that strengths come from every position that people that are autistic or um, have Asperger's have a lot of skills and assets and strengths that people that are more neurotypical that don't have that kind of brain don't have. And that there's a beauty in both ways of being and that we're, we're learning how to work with, not how to change. So we don't want to pathologize. We don't want to shame. So just be very thoughtful. There's a lot of bad stuff out there. That's about normalization. Um, and that's not the route we want to go. We want to go neurodiversity, honoring all the different ways people can exist neurologically. Um, I'll try to, uh, on one of my, uh, Instagram pages, post some more resources just so everyone has access to that. Um, if you've got a DM for us, drop in the DMS on our love line, IG page questions, you got topics you want us to hit something. Maybe you want us to circle back, drop deeper into drop that. As I said, in the DMS on our love line, IG page and past episodes of the show over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Loveline and click on it. You can binge, post, re-listen and share lots of great stuff over there. Cause it's all about unlearning a lot of what we've been taught. <laughs> decolonizing, desocializing. But then we got to replace that with some better information. So that's how you do that. Stick around. We'll be back. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q in Odyssey. Don't go anywhere. Oh, Rachel, we're back. And uh, before the break, I was talking about some of the things that come into uh, couples therapy and they can help us problem solve or, you know, get ahead of it. And one of them was not feeling like a priority. And they're saying in a primary relationship, if you want a primary relationship and you want monogamy and you want to be considered first and all these other factors, well, then you have to be able to hold your end of the bargain. And if you're putting your hobbies or friends or your job before your partner, well, then you're not wanting a primary partnership. You're wanting something more casual or relational anarchy, which means no one's more important than anything else. 
But that's where people get into the woods is because they'll do some things that imply I want, you know, to make this a primary, but then they don't. And then partners get confused and they get disappointed. And I'll have to call that out. I'll say, you don't want a primary committed, secure relationship. And so let's talk about what that will mean. And you both have to be on the same page. If you want to miss out on the relationship in life because you want to travel a lot or you want to go to school across the country or because of your job, that's fine. But you need to own that. You need to say to your partner, you aren't a primary because a primary secure relationship is about consistent, being consistent, reliable, available, and responsive. When I need you, you will be there and prioritize me as a safe haven. You will tell the, you will step outside the concert. You will leave the party for a moment. Um, you will look at the impact going away to school will have on us. You will step out of your job if I call because I come first. And you get to choose, but you don't get to say I want all the above. It doesn't work that way in human relationships because our interpersonal neurobiological system attaches when we consistently spend time with someone where we have sexuality and romance, that's a healthy functional, that's a healthy functioning system. So we expect that and we seek that, but just be clear about that. The problem is really about the lack of clarity. You get to choose the structure, but you all have to sign on that. It's kind of like I say all the time, be monogamous if you want, that's awesome. But you both have to be on the same page as to what that means and, and what, what is and what is not within that. Um, so think about that. When you say you want a primary and everything that comes with it, are you willing to hold up your end of the bargain and do a we and an us and make everything mutually beneficial and consider the impact on the, on the relationship and your partner in your decision making? And if not own that, at least own that because we have a lot of weird gray areas and loopholes where we let people off the hook with things and we shame certain forms of healthy primary relationships as codependent. No, it's not. Codependent would be you putting the relationship with the partner ahead of you to your detriment. That's not what we're talking about. It ain't to your detriment. It's just respect for the way that you impact your relationship and your partner and prioritizing them. Those are two very distinct positions. The next one comes in around sexuality and it kind of ties in a little bit, a little indirectly, but a little directly where someone often feels like they're getting a little maybe objectified. Now, here's what's beautiful about sex is there's many different ways and needs that we bring into sex. There's the partnered part, which is I really want to connect with you. I want to see you. I want to look at you. I want to feel you. I want to think about you. You very much are my focal point. But, and that's cool. But that, that's more the relational. But then there's more of the solo-based where I'm here with you. And like I acknowledge that there's a person here with me. But I'm really wanting to be in my own body. So maybe my eyes are closed and I'm kind of enjoying myself and I'm sitting in my experience. Imagine a concert. You know, there's the version of the concert where it's more relational, where we're like looking at each other and singing to each other and dancing together and high-fiving each other. But then there's the version where my eyes are closed and I know you're there with me and I care about you and I love you and I can hold space for you, but my eyes are closed and I'm just kind of like vibing out on my own for a minute. I'm just having my own little moment. It comes up at maybe an art gallery. I just wandered off for a second. I'm looking at the art. I know you're still with me. I came with you. I'm leaving with you. I know you're here. Or same thing with the meal. Conversation stop for a second. I'm just savoring the food I'm eating. Sex can be that way too, where you're just in your body with yourself and it's not about your partner, you know? That's acceptable too. And then there's the other version where you're kind of not even with yourself or with your partner. You're all in fantasy. You're completely checked out and that's beautiful as well. That's the point. I love when I'm looking at a piece of art and time and space don't exist because I've lost myself. I'm not with myself. I'm not with the person who's maybe seen the art with me. I'm just with myself. What a beautiful thing. Those are all three important spaces. Most partners won't problematize that if they're healthy enough and have enough self-esteem. They can, they can weather that oscillation. But some people, it's outside of everything I just said, and they just feel like a sex doll or like a dildo. And they don't feel like you're really caring for them, caring about them, acknowledging them. So empathize, humanize, humanize and empathize. Acknowledge your partner, check in on them, acknowledge them sometimes. 
some people are so avoidant or can't tolerate a lot of intimacy. And so the only way they know how to set, so the only way they know how to really have sex is in a very detached, separated way. And that can start to feel like you're alone in the room, even though that person's with you. And sometimes as we know, loneliness is made worse when we're actually with someone, but completely disconnected from them. And so that's some people's experience of sex, that the, the lights are never on, eye contact is never made, one person's pleasure centered, usually it's the penis owner, they come and then sex is supposed to be done and the partner's laying there like, what about me? That can often happen in same sex sexuality. I know a lot of gay men where they do the same thing. The person's quote unquote, I'm a bottom, which isn't a real thing. Everyone has the capacity to be everything, but we get stuck in these rigid positions and we think that they're real and it's rooted in anxiety and body shame and penis shame and all sorts of mess. And, um, they just are wanting there to be serviced and to receive and aren't always acknowledging that this other person is there and they have a body as well and what might be happening for them. So this gets evenly distributed, but remember, you know, a lot of times we approach sex, even if it's just supposed to be fun and pleasure, still wanting to feel desired and acknowledged. It, I'm glad that we push back on objectification, that it doesn't feel good to us. We'll talk more. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. So don't go anywhere. We are breaking down all the things that you can learn from couples therapy. So uh, stick around. Oh, Rachel, we are back and uh, we're talking about some of the things that you can learn from couples therapy to take into your own relationships. Talking about the sense of feeling like a priority or not like one, how that's what most people are seeking. Most people want a primary secure relationship. They want to feel like they, uh, that you are a safe haven for them to go to when times are tough. They want to feel like you are a secure base that sends them confidently out into the world and they can carry that support with them. Um, and they want to know that they matter. I think that's a beautiful thing. I want people to demand that if that's what they're looking for. And I want people to own if they want something less hierarchical or less committed. Just own it. Let people know what's up. Also talking about the fact that some people feel a little alone in sexuality because their partner only worries about themselves, uh, doesn't check in on the other, or only wants to have sex with the lights off in positions where they can't see each other and all sorts of things that are very distancing. And there's a time and a space for that. But for some people, that's all it ever is. And sex is maybe just about getting off. And that person feels like they're just a participant in that, like a sex toy. And they actually want to feel seen and heard. And they want to have a, a shared experience. And they want to connect. And there's nothing wrong with that. Even if it's a hookup or a trick. I don't even like that word trick, but it's what the kids use. Even if it's just like a hookup or a fling, like you can still offer that and provide that. Um, it's why a lot of people don't participate in hookup culture because they feel like they can't have that within hookup culture, which in theory you can, but I think some people don't know how to offer that. And some people only know to only know how to have hookup styled sex. And I want people to have a wealth of uh, behavioral options that they feel comfortable in. Um, another one is that uh, people don't feel like the romance is there anymore. That's probably one of the number one things that comes in. I feel like we're roommates. Sex is an important romance is gone. Maybe it was never even really there. So I tell people, I've said this on the show so many times, keep the courtship cycle going. You know, romance and flirtation and attraction aren't things that we use just to get someone to get into a relationship. They are part of what the relationship should be built on and always have maintained. That is a thread that should always be existent and woven in. Don't stop attracting your partner. Don't stop flirting with your partner. Don't stop romancing your partner. If you never let it go, then you don't ever have to work on getting it back. We can keep this alive, I promise. And if it's gone, it's drifted, you can start reprioritizing it. Start flirting again every day. Start romancing again every day. We talk about it all the time on the show. It's cheap, it's free, it's easy, it's quick. 
It's the small things that matter. The care, the recognition, the presence, not presence as in gifts, presence as in you literally occupying space mindfully with them, listening, tracking, following up. You know, one of the things to go back to the earlier point of not feeling like a priority, one of the best ways to make sure that doesn't happen or to fix that is by asking questions, engage, how was your day, but really listen and care. And when they tell you, engage one of the things they said. If they said, yeah, my boss yelled at me, you don't just nod along, you go, what did he say? You engage, you pick up the material and work with it. And then the final point is you track it. A day later you go, hey, how did that wind up going with your boss? Or how did that go? I know you had a great presentation. We track it and we follow up. We ask, we engage, and then we track and follow up. And that's how we show you're important. That's how we have presence versus I'm listening and nodding along as I'm working on my laptop. That's an intimacy buffer. That's offensive. You know, we make people feel like they're a priority by being present, by accepting their bids for our attention. No human being should ever be told to wait a minute because you're on your TikTok or you're sending an email. Humans have to come first. So when someone makes a bid to connect with your attention, always give it to them. I never want someone to realize, oh my God, the TV means more or it's, it's football games on and that means more than me. I'm a human being. That's gross. That's dehumanizing. You know, people first, <laughs> always. So keep that dating alive. Your whole, your whole relationship, I mean, listen to how crazy it sounds. Imagine a romantic relationship actually staying romantic because that's what it is. People misunderstand what I think, what they think relationships are about. It's someone seeking companionship and safety and security, but also romance and joy. Provide that. It's easy. Keep it alive. Um, so that's a big one. And, you know, a side piece of that is that we want affection and sensuality to exist in its own contained way. It doesn't always have to be a path towards or in service of sex or getting to sex or having sex. Sometimes that's it. And I want that to have meaning and value in its own, on its own. It's a pri prioritize it just as it is. It doesn't have to be a precursor to something. But some people only offer it in service of getting to sex. And that's a misuse of that. And then it actually turns it into an expectation. And then some people get a little anxious or phobic around it because they think that there's a request in there. But cuddling can sometimes just be cuddling. Hold hand, holding hands or kissing doesn't have to lead anywhere. But again, we get so obsessed with sex and sex being always penetration and orgasms that we always think that that's got to be the goal or we've missed out on something or haven't completed something or haven't gone all the way or all these weird arbitrary qualifiers that aren't actually real and also dishonor what these beautiful things can afford us. So don't be that person. <laughs> Another one, going back to not feeling like a priority and all the other things, because there's a lot of commonality here, is someone not feeling cared for, someone not feeling complimented. We're so good at calling out things that we're frustrated and upset about. Get even better at calling out things that felt good and that you have gratitude for. A lot of people are really great at being like, you're annoying me, take the damn trash out, but we're not great at saying, you look really good today. Or... I was thinking about you and how much I love you, or I'm really thankful for us, or whatever it is. We're gonna come back, we'll keep talking. Actually, no, we have a little bit more time, sorry. I want us to get very familiar and comfortable with that, giving that and receiving that. Some people's relationships are built on nothing but conflict and criticism. That is not the point. You're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. We don't enter relationships that we can have a critique or a criticism, but it's become normalized and familiar. For every critique, criticism, or attack, you should have at least three to five forms of gratitude and celebration. And if you're not willing to do that, keep your mouth closed. 
We don't bring people into our lives and get into relationships or marriages to make our lives harder or to be critiqued constantly. It's quite the opposite. Be someone's source of joy and pleasure. Make the association they have with you one where they smile and feel safe with you. There is no valor or pride or mental health in you being the source of someone's distress or making someone's life harder. Be better and do better. And if you can't, step outside for a minute and get some help. Um, all right. Now we're going <laughs> to, we'll be back and we're going to keep talking about this and then we'll be doing some DMs. So uh, stick around. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. All right, y'all, we're back and we're just closing up our discussion on things that couples therapy can teach you so as to not stumble over the same stumbling blocks others have. Prioritization. A lot of people come in my office saying, I wish I felt like a priority, but my husband or my wife or my partner puts everything before me, friends, hobbies, work. That is not how it goes. People come first. Yes, primary relationships are primary. Also, people feeling like sex is never intimate or close and connected. Open your eyes, make eye contact, turn the lights on so you can see each other. Slow down, look at each other, talk a little bit, have fun. There's no goal, but people just think we got somewhere to go and it's fast and it's hard. There's a place for that, but it can't always be that way. Then we talked a little bit about the fact that some people, they think that romance and flirtation and dating is just a way to get someone. And once we got them, we're like, ah, oh, the work's done. No, that is the point. The point is romance and flirtation and dating. Keep that alive. That's the point not just to get, um, we miss that. Then we were talking a little bit about just letting affection be enough, letting it be its own end point. That, that, that offers a lot. That doesn't have to be a segue into anything or an expectation for more. It doesn't have to be a far, part of a foreplay. It can just be what it is, the beauty of it. Then we also talked about criticizing and critiquing. Some people's entire relationships are just built on that. That is not the point. You're doing it wrong if that's what you're doing. Fold in more compliments and more celebration, more gratitude. If you're not willing to do that or can't, you gotta really look at who you are or what kind of relationship you're a part of. Something is wrong. Clean it up, fix it. Get into some couples work. Take a break and do some individual work. Whatever you need to do. But again, as I say over and over and over and over and over, we don't bring people into our lives to make our lives harder. But that's what some people really think it's about. They got it wrong. I think also one of the bigger points is about letting some things go. Everyone would agree, no relationship's perfect, no person's perfect, no marriage is perfect, but then they literally imply the opposite by being upset about everything. Part of being in a relationship is letting some things go. Things that are annoying or frustrating will emerge. Let them go. Only tackle the things that matter. Harm, violence, things that are toxic. Otherwise, crank down your response and talk it out or just let it go. It's okay if you don't like the way they sound when they eat. Their job while chewing isn't to make you happy. Learn to have some boundaries. Keep it to yourself. You don't need to vocalize every frustration or disappointment. Frustrations and disappointments are usually us learning where our work is, to chill out, to understand boundaries. Because remember, we have two boundaries. One protects other people. I'm sorry, one protects us from other people. We set boundaries with them. But another boundary protects other people from us. And if you're just telling it like it is and speaking truth and have no filter, then you don't have good boundaries. Not everything needs to be said. Annoyances and frustrations generally are things you keep to yourself. You don't have to like the way they walk or the way they talk or the way they chew. <laughs> we make issues out of everything, but nothing is perfect. And when you stumble upon a few of the imperfections, say, of course, I expected that. I knew that was going to be there. My job isn't to try to make every imperfection into perfection because that's not possible. So I have to let some of these things just be and exist. 
So pick five things that annoy or frustrate you with your partner, label them under the heading, nothing's perfect, and my job can't be to make everything that is annoying into perfection because that's a misuse of relationship. And so these are the things I'm gonna just keep my mouth shut about and lovingly accept my partner as a fallible human being. Otherwise, you literally are going for perfection. And imagine what that would be like if you were on the receiving end of that. Maybe you are. Maybe you have to lovingly listen to this segment with your partner or share with them the idea that my goal isn't to be perfect. And if you bring up and problematize every little thing, well, then that's what you're actually seeking and trying to do. So yes, you need to choose a few things that, I, that annoy you about me and let it go. That's part of acceptance. And if we can't accept people for who they are, then we're entering the relationship with the wrong concept. Couples therapy is not about making it perfect. Couples therapy is about looking at how you impact each other and being softer and more loving. The goal is not perfection. It's learning better relational skills with each other. So remember that, spread that, make that known. That's a big one. Some people literally believe that anything that bothers me needs to be discussed and fixed. A bulk of issues are totally fixable. Another bulk of issues are only improvable. It's going to still be there, just going to get better. And there's a bulk of things that aren't ever going to change ever. And that is what comes with being with that person in this relationship. It's never changing. It's not improving. It's not going away. And your work is to accept it and move on. Otherwise, you are going to be abusing each other. And this relationship then shouldn't happen. And we have to just make sure that the things we have to accept are things that are acceptable to us. But we can't just spend the whole relationship making each other miserable. That's not the point. And some people sadly allow that. They're just in misery the whole time. And there's things you can do. You know, this, this show talks about all the time. My books, Rebel Love, Sex Outside the Lines. Read them. Read them together. Use them as workbooks. Highlight. Write in them. Or get in a couples therapy. You know, there's a lot of resources. And now with telehealth, you can work with someone from anywhere, you know? So take care of yourselves. All right, coming up next, we're gonna be doing some DMs. So if you got a DM for us, a question you want answered, topic you want covered, something you want us to circle back to, put it in the DMs on our Loveline IG page and past episodes of the show. Check that out. You can learn a lot from that over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Loveline, click on it. You can binge, post, re-listen, and share. Lots of good stuff because it's all about repetition and learning, unlearning, and then relearning. Um, yeah, but don't go anywhere. We've got more to come. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. So uh, stick around, y'all. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there 
there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. All right, y'all, we are back. Now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. This one says, hey, Dr. Chris, I've been dating this guy for eight months. We were both in a pandemic relationship. And when things started to reopen, we broke up with our exes. Oh, wait a second. We were both in. Okay, got it, got it, got it. So both of you had been with people during the pandemic then things opened, you broke up with them. Got it. I misunderstood. Now it's eight months after all those breakups and you're with this person. Got it. He just asked me the other day if he thinks, he just asked me the other day if he thinks, that's an odd way to say that. Anyway, he asked me the other day if I think, I guess it should be that we should move in together. And I didn't have the best reaction. So I'm going to assume that your face or your words communicated, I don't think that's a good idea. Eight months in, okay. Um, I just remembered how awful it was during the pandemic to live with someone I barely really knew. And now he's asking me to do it again. Is this a common thing that people are feeling? So it's always interesting. The question isn't, should I? The question isn't, how do I you know, better communicate? The question is, is this a common thing people are feeling? Um, that it's hard for them to imagine living with someone they barely know? Yeah, I think that's a horrible idea. <laughs> if you're not ready to live with someone, don't. And because remember, you don't have to live with someone. Like that's this unconscious pressure. This idea that if we've been together for a length of time, at some point we have to live together. No, you don't. You don't ever have to live together. Not eight months in, not 10 years in. So I want to remind you that. Be where you are. And if you're saying right now at eight months, right now at five years, right now at 10 years, it doesn't feel like a good idea, don't. Look, ideally, we shouldn't live with each other because that brings up issues that we wouldn't have to deal with were we to live separately. If you live separately but spend time at each other's places, you don't get into fights about the garbage and dishes and all these other little things. It's a better, better structure, but I appreciate that people want support, more time together, more intimacy, more companionship, so we move in. I get it, but I just wanna remind you, you don't have to, and it's gonna add more stress and complexity. Rarely does it make things easier, unless maybe you've been living long distance, and even then it can get harder. So what does that mean? Well, it means your answer is no, <laughs> it means you should ask this other person, what does moving in together mean for you? So I can understand what does it mean to you? And why is that important to you? You want this person to feel heard and understood. So at least hold some space for that. And you can still say to them, I get it. I love that. I'm not ready. You can say to them, I, I still am concerned because of what happened last time. 
and that has to be acceptable. I'll never agree that someone should say, okay, well, if you're not ready to move in, then I guess we shouldn't keep going. No, it just means right now I'm not ready and I might be down the road. And the value of our relationship is not in whether or not we move in together. The value of a relationship isn't in whether or not we take a next step because there doesn't have to be. I will never agree that we should always be pressuring someone to take the next step. Be where you are. If it's about trust and commitment, I'm assuming you have that. And these other milestones of marriage and moving in together and children and shared bank accounts, they don't promise anything. They don't bring inherently more trust or intimacy. There's tons of people with more trust, care, and intimacy that are never married. And there's tons of people that are married with shared bank accounts and kids, and they have no love, no trust, and no intimacy. Because those things can exist with or without these milestones. Those milestones are just what we do as good Americans because we think it's expected of us to show the world that we're adults and we're serious. But that's the wrong reason to do something. Do it because you actually want to and do it because you think there's actual meaning and value in doing so. And that's why I want you to say that to your partner. Help me understand what it means to you to live together. Help me understand why that's important to you. Because you can say right now, that doesn't sound good to me. Not because of you, but because that's not what I want in my life right now. I want to give us more time because Dr. Chris told me that if we move in together, we're adding complexity <clears throat> and stressors that wouldn't exist otherwise. I don't want to take that on right now. Things are going so well. Why change the structure? Just because we're friends doesn't mean we should be lovers. Just because we're friends with benefits doesn't mean we should date exclusively. Just because we're dating exclusively doesn't mean it's, it's going to be a good idea to move in together. When we change the structure or the rules, things sometimes no longer work. It's working because of everything we're doing right now. And it might be working because you don't live together. So remind this person, if you really want this relationship to continue to be great, we should keep doing what we're doing because that we can count on. We can't count on the changes we make being good for us. That becomes, that means you're willing to risk losing each other. It's up to you. Let me know how that goes. All right, y'all, that is our show. We'll be back tomorrow night. So if you've got some questions for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Topics, questions, things you want us to hit, circle back, drop deeper into. We love hearing from y'all. Spend the rest of the night, though, focused on tons of pleasure, tons of rest, tons of self-care, kindness to you and those around you. As always, y'all, thanks for hanging out, and you enjoy the rest of your night. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Hey.